0: Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experiences of field and to share our members' stories. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome into a new episode of the Turkey Call All Access podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's a special week. We're, uh, <clears throat> we're off week publishing this week, but it's Veterans Day. And uh, I wanted to bring to you guys uh, a real special show, a special uh, NWTF member, volunteer, veteran. Uh, pup Westfall is on the show. Uh, brand new article in the November, December uh, edition of the Turkey Call magazine. We're queuing Pup up now. Let's go. So, when it came to the article, put did uh, did you decide to write that on your own? Did you feel moved, or how did how did the whole article come about? That's in the the current issue of Turkey Call. So,
1: the the article, what what inspired me is, is the struggle that uh, a lot of vets have, um, and and the biggest thing is is we're often afraid to admit. What we've been through, what we're going through, and what the future holds. Um, and I've been a big proponent of uh, therapy, counseling, um, going and seeing a doc, uh, even medications at times, you know, I've been a big proponent of it. but I think one of the biggest things that we can do is is learn from uh, one of our, our own right yeah. and you know as an mp you know i i'm not i wasn't an infantry guy um and oftentimes uh you know individuals like myself we we don't look at ourselves maybe as i don't want to say glamorous like the infantry right but everybody looks at the infantry as you know they're the ones that go out there and do the ground pounding and all that other stuff mm. When in reality, it takes the whole service to do it. It doesn't matter if you're if you're a cook. The only way I'm going to eat is if you provide me that meal. If you're a mechanic, the only way I can roll in my Humvee is by you fixing it if, if something goes wrong with it. So how do we do that as veterans um, after the fact, right? And how do we bring up topics like PTSD Um anxiety, depression, well, we can do it in groups, you know, of friends and talk talk amongst ourselves. But another way is by putting it out there, whether it be um, social media, which is YouTube, your Facebook, stuff like that. Well, you know, and you can read in the article, and we'll probably discuss it here, but, uh, you know, what helped me was turkey hunting so i wanted to share that with everybody i i felt it was very important not only just for veterans but everybody out there um, to know what they can do to help assist you know a veteran or anybody that's you know in need you don't have to of course have ptsd and all these other things but I i hope to uh share my message so other people can see um, how much one, one simple act can change somebody's life. And, and essentially that's what turkey hunting did for me.
0: Was that something you found on your own or like, how did, how did turkey hunting, like most people don't equate or even like come to that, that realization, right? You you got to be introduced. You have to be brought to that most of the time. So, you know, how was that? How did those, those dots get connected for you as far as turkey hunting?
1: So I, 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 My family, we weren't hunters. We weren't farmers, anything like that. I grew up in a a subdivision that was out uh, in the countryside. And, you know, I would seen deer and stuff like that, but it never interested me. You know, I, I actually, one time I do remember we were walking to the woods and all of a sudden we hear this, hey, hey, look around, you know. A guy was bow hunting in a tree and <laughs> we walked right across, you know ruined his whole, you know, afternoon hunt. Well, so when I got out, I, you know, I, I live in Tennessee now and and uh I've I've been in the South for about a 25 years, something like that. But I had moved back to Illinois for a little while. And uh, you know, I I was sitting there and I, I met up with my best friend. We've been best friends since we were three years old and, and that was going great. But there was something I was still missing. I just, I still felt you know, blah, I guess, you know, and, and I was watching YouTube and, you know, I, I, I have buddies that hunt and they talk about it, but I, you know, it's, it's always deer hunting. It's never sure. to be honest. It's always deer hunting or duck hunting, you know, and I, I was watching these videos and like Primo's came, uh, Will Primo's and all them. And, you know, and I'm watching them and they're making these <laughs> these hideous calls, right? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And, and you know, you hear them talking all low, and then you see this, this I, I always say they're majestic, this big, beautiful turkey. I've never seen a turkey in the wild, okay? I, I had never seen one. I've seen deer, you know, coyotes, all stuff like that. I had never seen a turkey in the wild. And I'm watching Will Primus and uh, Mike Waddell and all those guys. And I, But I watched and I, I see this turkey come across and I, I hear him, you know, and then they stop calling, you know, and they're kind of giving their what they're doing, you know, okay, wait, hold it, you know, stay steady, don't move, all this stuff, you know. And then, of course, the magic happened, right? boom, right? <laughs> this turkey just flops. And I was like, oh, man. And I felt the blood pumping, right? Yeah. And I was like this is what I'm missing, right? Like, you know, like I said, I I was an MP and, you know, for, for those people who think MPs just write tickets, (laughs) you know, 16 years that I was in the military, I worked the road about 18 months, 24 months total in that whole time. Mm. You know, yes, I wrote my fair share of tickets, but my main job was to go out there and, you know, we kicked in doors, we ran patrol, stuff like that. So, like one of my missions in Iraq was I escorted explosive ordnance disposal, EOD, your bomb techs, right? Mm-hmm. I'll talking about getting your blood pumping. You know, you're going out to these IEDs, improvised explosive devices. So my blood would just, I mean, for 24 hours we'd be on and 24 hours we would be off and I, with the EOD. And my blood would just pump and pump and pump. And, you know, when you come back and you come back to reality, that goes away, right? but you constantly, you strive for it. And when I was watching these YouTube videos, that, that blood started pumping, you know, my ears started to, to ring, you know, and my focus got tunneled just like Mm. I was in combat, you know, and that, that's what drove me to, um, turkey hunting. But, but part of that also is, is, when I decided I was going to go hunting, like I said, I was in Illinois. I was like, what's the next turkey? Or, excuse me, what's the next hunting season? And it comes up and it's turkey season. And, you know, like I said, I watch these guys on YouTube. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is going to be easy. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? Yeah, always, right? I, you know, and in Illinois, they have a drawing. So you have to put in for it and they have different seasons and stuff like that. So I put in for it and, you know, I get drawn. So then what do you do, right? I had d I'm not even sure at the time I, I owned a shotgun, right? Like <laughs> I didn't know what a turkey choke was. Yeah. Uh I, I had no clue how to use a call. I didn't have a blind, none of that stuff when I when I initially was like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. So I, I'm like, I'm gonna get into turkey hunting. And uh my brother-in-law, a couple of his buddies are real big hunters, and and one of them, uh Ryan Carmody. like hey man do you know anything about turkey hunting he's like yeah so he's like going through what to do right and he's giving me all these pointers and stuff but you know in the end it it was it just so happened to be watching you know youtube and then by chance it ended up being turkey hunting Know, season coming up and that's what started me on, on this whole journey
0: it's pretty awesome how the universe comes together like that you know yeah. and then you 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 find that that commonality and then you know hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you can sit back and like yeah that 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 led to this and this all makes perfect sense um man when i when i reached out to you i, I got a a preview of the article uh before it before it come out and, and i told you when we were talking before about coming on the podcast, like it, I got, I had tears in my eyes, man. Uh, you know, two, two, two parts in that article as people will read and find out and, you know, your service and the struggles after, uh, touched the chord with me. Um, you know, I told you I service vet myself, you know, I was in before the towers came down and, and post and, you know, fellow fellow uh you know cop air force cop here you, you were you were mp so you know all that struck a chord and then you know obviously going through your your story of success eventually won't give it all away we want people to read the article but you know as we're coming up on veterans day here and this this episode is releasing on veterans day um there's just there's so many things to talk about and highlight but I like the fact that you came to it like you found it on your own. It wasn't it wasn't some uh, manufactured or, you know, uh, uh, put on by, uh, you know, fill your blank in organization. I'm not going to sit here and rip on them because they have their place. But uh, some of these things have been overdone over the last 20 years Uh, and the focus of, of the veteran the person needing that help, needing that therapy has kind of gotten lost. Um, there hasn't been follow through. And that's changed a whole lot here in the last couple of years. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for your testimony because, you know, people that, you know, will see you on here, see your picture, you know, you're a big, badass looking dude. And there's like these, uh there's these, these stigmas and there's these taboos about big, badass looking A-type dominant men coming out and and having these conversations so much of of our brothers and sisters being able to go through the motions and and quantify where they were and where they're at and where they're going and that they're struggling when you hear someone that has the same kind of the same walk through life when you can relate, and that's like, oh, well, if he can do it or if she can do it, then then I can do it, or maybe I can reconcile with myself. You know, PTSD for folks that don't know is not it's not all um, violence of action. It's not all being shot at or losing a limb. Like the training you went through to become an MP, the training I went through to become security forces member, like that rewires your brain. Right, it, it makes you act different. Makes your personality different. You need to be different so you can accomplish cer- certain missions, right? But as you're going through in your formative years, and you know the frontal lobe of your gray matter is is formed like at age 25. You know that's I'm getting that training. You were getting that training. And that's that's who you become. So when people look at us in society and like they'll just look at you from across the street, like that dude looks like he wants to kill somebody. That dude don't trust nobody. You know I. I, and this is the first time I'm 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 actually publicly admitting this. And only my only really my wife knows. You know, I I recently reconciled and came to terms with that, and and had a talk with my doctor because for years after I left, struggled, still struggled, and I had a hard time going to talk to somebody about it because I there it wasn't ego or anything like that. It's just. I felt I should be able to handle this, or this is a personality defect, or it's it's genetics. You know, my dad was grumpy, my grandfather was grumpy. It's just it's just who we are, and it's not. Right. It's not. And my doc looked at me. He's like, you know, going through all these questions. He's like, he's like, Fred, you have PTSD. And I was like, well, that it's th- and, and, and even still, I'm talking about it to you, and it still doesn't make sense because there's this meme or there's this nice tight little box that that the the, um, the VA has put guys and gals into, or, you know, the DODs put guys and gals into, and, and it's so much deeper and it's so much, so much more nuanced than he or she got shot at or he or she got blown up. All that definitely matters. But when your brain is trained and you're supposed to act a certain way, you just don't turn that off. And when you leave after 16 years, or I did six years active, you know, you you, it doesn't go away. So what I'm getting at here without without getting misty out or emotional here is like there's so many of us that are out there that that feel this, that don't know how to identify it, that don't know to talk to somebody. So, and I come back to it. So, like when someone like yourself writes an article like this, turkey hunting aside, but can can put yourself out there like that's a very vulnerable thing to do.
1: It's it, it is, and and part of it, you know, when when I, I entered the I entered the military and the National Guard when I was a junior in high school in '97, and then I went active duty in '99, and there was, you know, kind of be before September 11th happened, you know we had the desert storm vets, yeah. Um, a few Vietnam vets. They were, you know, kind of really, uh, you know, retiring at that point in time that I was coming in. Mm-hmm. But when you talked about PTSD and, and prior to that shell shop, right, there was always this stigma of weakness. Absolutely. You know, if you have PTSD, you're weak. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. and, after september 11th happened and and you know service members were coming back and committing suicide at record numbers right and it took the department of defense so long to to i won't say they didn't identify ptsd but they wouldn't recognize it and put it out there to help service members right, right? it was still looked at by many people as a weakness, right? So I was, myself, was scared to ever say anything mm-hmm. because what I figured would happen is what eventually happens, but I figured they would just kick me out. You're weak, you know what I mean? Thank you for your service. Have a good day. We can't use you no more. Mm. And then I was worried about the stigma that my my brothers and sisters would look at me as, right? As this great failure and you know this weak individual and you know, and you know, we have this persona that we we try to fulfill as as soldiers, sailors, marines, you know, airmen, coast guardsmen, you know all these we try to be this one cookie cutter thing, but we're not, right? right. we're all we're still individuals at the core, exactly right. All go through the same training and and do everything the same. We're still individuals and everything affects us differently. And when it comes to like PTSD, I, I, I've tried to break my own PTSD down as far as like, I tried to identify it as like uh traumatic combat stress. Right. But I will tell you at the same time, I'm not sure that there, there's not one event that happened. Mm-hmm. that I can say that that's when PTSD happened. Right. That happened. Right. It's, it's a culmination of of several things, yeah. you know. As an MP, I, I was an MP on Fort Bragg, North <laughs> Carolina. You know, second largest post in the army. You know, when I did work the road, things happened just like they would happen in Chicago, L.A. You know, I mean it. It's a it's a booming city inside of another booming city, right? Yeah. And at the time. It was wide open. Fort Bragg wasn't closed. So you'd have, you know, civilians coming on, you know, and doing whatever they wanted. You still had service members doing what they wanted mm-hmm. as far as crimes and drugs and stuff like that. So I was exposed to a lot of stuff just as an MP. And then you put into it the combat side of things, you know, and, and just, you know you're going on a year long deployment. Well, now you're away from your spouse, loved ones, children, whatever. That is stressful in and of itself.
0: All your yeah. support systems are gone.
1: Yeah, you haven't even you haven't even gotten on an airplane to go anywhere yet, and you have to deal with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like my first tour to Afghanistan. Like I was in Kosovo when September 11th happened. I was at betina MP station, and I remember the first phone call when they said the plane had hit the uh the World Trade Center. And we joked, right? We're like, how can somebody hit, you know, one of the tallest buildings, yeah. you know, especially in New York? I'm like, they don't they don't realize what's going, you know, how did they do that? 15 minutes later we get another phone call. Hey, a second one hit the World Trade Center, full battle rattle, get back to base. My world my world changed. Totally. Right? it it was like chaos. And we got back from uh kosovo in november and from the time we landed my platoon almost immediately i think we had three two or three weeks where we had like off time and after that my platoon trained up to go into afghanistan and i was back in afghanistan in april of 2002 and i had just returned in november 2001
2: Mm.
1: and we would do training from you know six in the morning to seven at night and just repeat and this and when my platoon was doing it that included saturdays sundays it it didn't matter right i think i want to say up to the train up i i want to say we probably had three four days off on a sunday that whole time you know so i just came back from a year deployment now i'm getting ready to go back on a deployment mm. oh and when i was there the first time I did protective service detail for General McNeil, who at the time was the 18th Airborne Corps commander, and like I went into Kabul, into Kabul, I went to the palace, you know, and we didn't even go in full battle rattle. I went in a, a soft cap, yeah, second chance vest, you know, law enforcement second yeah, chance yeah. vest, and you know my M4 and a pistol on my side, and we we drove uh, um, unarmored uh like Toyota forerunners and stuff right so so just just like i remember driving out to kabul the first time and sitting sideways in this seat and i'm like what am i going to do you know like i i have it's so much unknown you know and that stress and that anxiety and you know and then as time goes on you kind of get used to things but i mean it's ptsd like you said it's it's not one one specific thing, you know, and each individual deals with it different. And also with the article is what I what I hope to portray is is like a lot of a lot of people who get recognition are your special operations guys. And God love them for it, you know. Um, but those are the ones that really get all this uh, publicity, notoriety, whatever, you know, and they constantly talk about them. And like I said, you know, God bless them. I, You know, I love them just the same, but it's, it's all those other people, you know, that kind of get put to the side. And you may not think their job was as stressful or whatever as, you know, maybe special operations guys, but at the same time, we were all there in the same fight.
0: You you're know? exactly you're exactly yeah. right.
1: It, it may be, you know, different missions, I get it. You know, I've been I've been on missions with Spec Ops guys. Did I go and kick in doors with Spec Ops guys? No. But I was their sport. I'm sitting right. in a Humvee waiting for them to bring out, you know, uh some guy, you know, in, in handcuffs or whatever, zip ties, you know, or take them to their, their destination. All these other things. So it's it's Everybody's job is important and everybody deals with it in their own way. And like you said, you just talked to your doc, you know, that's probably like 1% of everybody out there that's dealing with it, right? With PTSD or just anxiety or just depression, you know, you don't, you know, they put us, like you said, in this box of post-traumatic stress disorder that, Again, it's such a huge, huge thing that just saying, oh, yep, you got PTSD, here's some medication, we'll see you for counseling once a month and, you know, whatever. You know, it's it, there's a whole lot more to it. You know, that first step is going and seeing a doctor. Because I will tell you, before you go see a doctor, you're not going to admit it. So sure. it's not like, oh, you know, the first step is admittance out because you're not going to admit it. You you know, you said yourself, you're still trying to deal with it. You know, I don't have PTSD. That can't happen. I'm not weak. You know what I mean? There's, there's no way that I can have PTSD, but in reality is, is, you know, yes, you, you do have it. Okay. Now what do you do? What, what do you do from here? Right. Do you sit and sulk about it? Do you go to the VA on your appointments and, you know, just do as they tell you to do Mm. or search deep inside yourself and figure out what you need to do to one, live with it and to get better. You know, you're not going to cure PTSD. You know, they have many treatments out there. They have different ones that, um, you know, they'll inject you with stuff and it's supposed to help you and, Shock treatments like from the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know. But I, I will tell you, for me, it it's been um, a journey that I constantly look for ways to improve myself and and ways to deal with it. Because, like in the beginning, I was on a medicine called Ambien. A lot of people mm-hmm. are on Ambien because we have trouble sleeping, right? Well, that, I mean, it's a great medicine to knock you out. It's a sedative, right? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is what they don't tell you is, is it doesn't help you with PTSD whatsoever. It just it numbs makes, you. It, it makes it worse. Yeah. Because the thing is, is when you go to sleep, right, your brain has its own function and it processes all your thoughts. Well, when you make yourself, when you give yourself a sedative to knock yourself out, guess what? Your brain doesn't get to shut off and do what it's supposed to do. Mm. So when you wake up the next morning and you feel the exact same way, most times, you know, more tired than what you were the day before, it's because Ambien doesn't help when you have PTSD, helps you fall asleep, but the, but it doesn't do anything other than that. And when I learned that, I went to a, my uh, psychologist and I said, Hey, I got to come off Ambien. And she's like, Okay. How much and I and I'm telling you, like I was on a 30-day supply constantly. And she was like, How much do you think you can go down? I was like, oh, I don't know. Because now I'm now I'm stressed. Right. Sure. Now, now I'm taking myself off medication that in my mind I need. So I'm stressed. And she goes, We'll do 15 days. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. 15 days, that seems she's like, 15 days worth. So okay. So like the first five days, you know, I'm taking one still every every night because I'm like, I need this stuff. And then I said, I, you know, had a conversation with myself and I'm like, all right, let's try this. One day without it. One day without it, a couple days without it. I said, okay, I can do, I can do 15 days. Next month I go to the doctor. She goes, how'd it go? I said, hey, it went pretty good. She goes, how how many you got left? I was like, I got five left. She goes, okay, so you only took it 10 times. You know, I'm like, Yeah, she goes, All right five a month then and I, now I'm stressed again you know I'm like no 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 you don't understand that <laughs> right she goes no 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 so it went to five and then a couple months later it went to none right and but it was it was through my own research that I found that you know there's certain medications that definitely do help and there's other medications that why we want them to help. They they they're not doing us any any favor, especially with PTSD. So I ended up coming off that medication, and you know I've gone through a lot of therapy, and one of it was called immersion therapy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but for the longest time I couldn't go into a Walmart, mm. and if I did, I knew exactly where I was going. I knew what checkout I was going through. Oh, yeah, I knew where all the exits were.
0: Yeah, everything.
1: Yeah. And I would, I would, okay. I need, I need deodorant. I know what aisle it is. Go to deodorant, and I beat feet right to the checkout and right out. Well, immersion therapy essentially makes you stay in those situations, and there's, there's baby steps to it, and all this, that, and the other. Well, immersion therapy usually lasts eighteen to twenty-four months, and I was able to get through immersion training, and I, I think it was eight months, something like that. And when I, when I got done, the therapist, he asked me a question. I, I don't even recall the question that he asked me. And I was like, all right. I said, what's next? He goes, you're done with immersion therapy. He goes, I don't know how you did it. I don't understand it, but you've done everything that you're supposed to. And I was like, okay, well, what I would do is, you know, they would say go into Walmart and sit there for 10 minutes, you know. And if you can't, walk out and then, you know, try again tomorrow. I took that to heart. Like, I didn't do it once a week, you know. Sometimes I would do it two, three times a day, mm. you know. And, you know, it would it hurt, you know, inside, mentally, physically. I'd be wore out that night. But I knew I had to give it my all. And, you know, that's one of the things with those of us that do struggle with PTSD is we don't – it's not that we don't remember how to give it our all but it's scary anymore to give it, give it our all. Right. And we hope that there's a medication out there that will cure what, what's ailing us. And what it really ends up being is, is ourselves. How can we help cure or assist ourselves live in today's society, in today's world, you know, and, and, you know, for me, you know, everything then goes back to turkey hunting and hunting mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier about, like, uh, businesses, companies uh, that really reached out to veterans and helped. And and this one, I want to mention Windu Warrior Project. And I know it got a really bad uh, vibe there for a while with their past CEO. But... <clears throat> The Wounded Warrior Project has brought there's like eight of us that are all together now. And all of us struggle with PTSD and all this other stuff. And the great thing is, is, you know, we we get on hunts every once in a while. And what it's what it's done is it brought these people who didn't know each other together for these hunts. And then what we did is we formed this bond, this, you know, brotherhood and you know um together and now to this day we talk all the time we constantly check up on each other you know during the the whole pandemic it's been hard because none of us could get together with one Mm. another you know but we would still call each other text each other and and that was what was you know that's what's nice about some of these organizations or hunting in general you know because it is a small community in and of itself. So if you think about the military, military is a small percentage of individuals that have have served. Right.
2: Exactly. Right.
1: I mean, not everybody serves and, you know, and I, I, I even, I have six sons and I tell them I serve. So you don't have to, Mm. if I had somebody come off the street and say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about joining the military. You don't have to, I did for you. Right. That's kind of my outlook on it. And with these guys, you know, when we come together it's that same bond you know and we get to talk about things that you know maybe you don't want to tell your therapist you know or you just want to retell a story that you've gone through with people that have like minded attitudes and have probably been through a similar scenario that you have you know i mean you you were you were you know sf in the air force and you know I don't know how many people know, but, you know, that's law enforcement in the Air Force. And, you know, I'm an MP. We have that commonality between us, right? right? But if me and you were to sit down and have a drink or whatever, we'd raz each other about it, right? Of course. Because, yeah. You were Air Force, right? Like, yeah. I mean, but but you were the smart one. I was the dumb one, <laughs> right? But, but that's what we do in, in with this group with like the wounded warrior project is is you know we got infantry guys um cannon guys i mean you name it we got them right in in hunting it's the same thing you got you got individuals that like myself that love turkey hunting if if there was a pro turkey hunting circuit and it was 9 months long it answered my prayers you know I, <laughs> I love turkey hunting that much I right hear but you know we go deer hunting together and duck hunting and all that stuff. And it, it it's just amazing. I just, I, I really, I really en- enjoy it. You know, and I listened to your podcast last week where you talked to uh, that Vermont uh, Nicole you
0: know, Meyer. What's that? Nicole Meyer. Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Talking about fall turkey hunting, you know, and, oh, uh, you know, I, she had said she had went turkey hunting in the fall before, but not really until now. Right. 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 And I was like, I've never been fall turkey hunting, you know, like, I, but like, listening to that story. I was like, man, maybe I, I need to find out, you know, <laughs> wh- where I can do this. At, yep. You know what I mean? Cause in the fall around here is deer. Right. right. We don't even but I will tell you, I see more turkeys now, right. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Then I will in the springtime. Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking, Maybe that's that's the route to go, you know. But I just I I love hunting. I love what it's brought to my life. I love that it's helped uh, in my struggles with PTSD. I love that you know, getting to know all these people. Like I I've gone to the convention in Nashville. Uh, I want to say four years. Of course, last year they didn't have it. Right. Four or five years, I've gone to a convention. I just love being around all those people. Mm-hmm. You know, NWTF throws a great veterans breakfast, which is awesome. You know, and you know they allow us to go into the convention. You know, after that for free of charge and stuff like that. So I mean, even the NWTF does something for veterans, right? But I I feel that there's there's more to be done. Right. And that's not through um, hunting trips and, you know, stuff like that. Those are great. Don't get me wrong. Those are are wonderful things, you know. I mean, I watch those guys like, you know, like I said, Will Primo's, uh, the Drury's, you know, they take veterans out. Uh, Miss Valentine that's here in Tennessee, you know, she takes hunters out to the governor's one shoot. Those are amazing things, and I'm so grateful that each and one of those individuals and in the organizations do it. But it does take another veteran to sit down with another veteran and have a conversation. And I can't talk to all the veterans in the world, right? I'll reach a few, hopefully, through your podcast. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'll reach a few more through the magazine. Like I said, I've been putting out the digital one already, You know, you know, showing my friends and family and stuff like that but I just hope somebody sits down and, and able to read it and go, yeah, I can do this. Or, or, you know, like, you know, I struggle, I need to go get help, you know, and they take that step to go get some type of assistance. And, and again, don't look at it as, as a weakness. Cause it's not, you know, I think it's weaker when we don't say that we have a problem, you know, it, it, it takes a, a a very strong individual to admit that they have a problem and especially a problem like PTSD, you know, it, I mean it like, I, I don't know if it was in the article. Um, but you know, when I was diagnosed with PTSD, I looked at it as a death sentence, yeah. it, you know, I thought everywhere I went, there was this neon flashing sign up right. my head. that said PTSD. I thought everybody could recognize that I had PTSD. Funny thing was, is nobody looked at me any different than they did the day before. It was my own thoughts and my own feelings, you know, and, you know, like you said, you know, your grandpa was, was a a grumpy guy. Your dad was a grumpy guy, you know? I mean, I thought the same thing when, you know, at the time when my wife was like, Hey, you've changed. And I'm like, no, no, I haven't. You know, but looking back, Monday night Quarterback, that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have wanted to live with me at that point in time, you know? And it took a very traumatic event to, to even get me help. Right. And, and as sad as that event may be to people, that event, you know, actually saved my life. Right. Although, you know, and you'll read in the article, you know, I ended up trying to take my own life. Yeah, you know, but it it actually ended up saving my life. I I was one of the fortunate ones that you know the the attempt didn't you know didn't come true or to you know fruition. And yeah. I and I'm so happy and glad that it didn't.
0: Yeah. Well, certainly believe if you're a believer or not, uh, for me, that's, that's God telling you, I got bigger plans, way bigger plans for you. And, uh, you're, you're going to stick around, um, and you're going to come on a Turkey podcast and you're going to tell your story and we're going to reach like 10 people. No, I'm kidding. We do better than 10.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, 11 fine with me. Perfect. I, I, I have my own YouTube channel. You know, Perfect. And, like it, it's funny. Like, You know, the first time I think I reached like 50 viewers, I was ecstatic. You know what I mean? And that probably took four weeks to get there, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, it's, you alluded to it a little earlier in the conversation about uh, it's something you're used to, right? Like you don't recognize it. And that's how, that's how how I was. And I imagine so many other people are, is that These things build up and they just, they become a part of you. And you're just like, it's just me. It's just me. My wife was the same one. It's like, listen, I love you. And because I love you, you're different. There's different stuff about you. You don't act like most people do in in polite, normal society. And I was like, well, it's, it's just me. I know I, I like the people I like and the rest of the world, I I pretty much could care less about them, but want nothing to do with them and definitely don't trust any of them. And, uh, I think, and I'm wondering if this happened for you, like when I got two kids and when I had kids, man, it was amplified and I didn't know it. It's just my state of awareness, my worry, my anxiety, like skyrocket. It all come from a good place of love and protection but my idea of how to protect is a hell of a lot different than most people. I suspect you probably understand what I'm talking about, um, which makes you very standoffish and and oftentimes don't play well with others and and probably on the fringe of a polite society. Right. But there's that. You know that place you went to your in your head that I went to in my head and reconciled that. You know when I put the uniform on and I had my sidearm and my duty weapon that at a given moment, especially in the AO, it it could be lights out, and I'm okay with that. And that still to this day translates to my family. Like there ain't nothing I wouldn't do. I'd, I'd you know I'd burn the whole place down just to make sure they were okay, right? And it and it. Not everyone can get there in their heads. Um, I was going somewhere with this thought, but I, I wanted to say that, you know, the bigger overarching part of that is that, you know, it's it's an aggregation. It builds and it builds. And I suspect there's a lot of civilian cops, EMS, hell, after this last two years and teachers. I mean, there's a lot of people walking around with these same things. And because of what you've said, you know, this isn't restricted to to airmen, soldiers, Marines. Sailors at all. No, there's plenty of civilians walking around with these same same things. The other part to your article that, that struck a chord with me here, and uh, was was the camaraderie factor. And I've said this since I've been part of the NWTF as a, as a as a member and as a staff member. And I you you gotta you gotta live it to understand it. Like I could, I used to tell people like I can talk to a complete stranger from New Hampshire out in Oregon. Never having met them, but the fact that they're NWTF members and they're, they're active participants. I know I can count on them. And then that me and that person can have a conversation. Like we've known each other for years. Same thing with military. I, I talked to you on the phone last week and here we are. And if, and if we were uh, together, you know, it would be probably even more intimate and more, more brotherly uh, because just these, um, these things about the, these intangibles, these things you've done speak uh, an unspoken language to the other person, the receiver. And it's like, OK, I know that person. I know what they've been through and and I can be down with them. And you talk about a small minority. I mean, one percent of the population serves in the military. Right. I mean. An even smaller part of uh, really squared away people, turkey hunt. Right? <laughs> uh
1: that's a, so people don't know what they're missing. I, 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 which I'm
0: glad. Don't go turning leave them for me. I, 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 right. So you know it's that camaraderie when we left, when you separated, when I separated. Like I, I, you know, when I went in and I came out, I was like just like we're doing now. Like I would just bro hug you to death. And when I came home to my buddies and some of their friends, I would just immediately fall in with people. Because they were friends with my childhood friends. Well, it turned out they were complete scumbags, some of them, um, and I get burnt. So some of my guard was let down and that kind of led to more mistrust. And it's like, oh, these people don't operate the same. One isn't necessarily equaling the other. But, uh, you know, all that that stuff aside, what, what I'm driving to is, you know, turkey hunting specifically specifically turkey hunting because it is a social event even though we're very quiet and stealthy in the woods uh everything before during and after and then the lead up lead up to spring and you even mentioned fall i mean man i can get down and i quite prefer sometime fall turkey hunting um there's so much camaraderie and i've likened it to the military since day one i told my I told my first mentor and boss because i this is my I used to be a regional director uh, in New England and then I, I left and I've come back and I'm doing this and other parts for the, for the organization. But when I left, I didn't cry when I left the air force. I shed tears when I left the Turkey Federation first time. I said, I can't believe what I'm doing. I, I shouldn't be doing this. I know I'm not supposed to do this. And I told, I told my boss at the time, Phil, I said, uh, I didn't, I didn't shed tears when I left the military and that was a brotherhood. I'm, I am now because this is family. This is the volunteers, the people, the quality of people that participate in what we do, that are part of our organization. Th- they're cut kind of above, and no, it, it it's special.
1: It, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, so like I, I was talking about the of word project. Like, you know, Tim, Tim, Leroy, Everett, Ben. Chad, Sean, like those guys. When we get together, it it's the camaraderie between us. You 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 couldn't separate us, right? And you know, we go out there and we hunt, and you know, we we give each other tips, you know, or you know, misguide them so that they don't have a successful day <laughs> as you do, type thing, you know. <laughs> but it's all in great fun and and you know you, you talk about leaving the NWTF the first time and, and being in tears but if you and not when you left the air force but it was what it's what the air force showed you and and developed you into mm-hmm. allowed you to when you left the NWTF to shed those tears mm-hmm. because you know when you get out doesn't matter if it's after 3 years, 6 years, 16, 20 from the military right you you then start this whole new life and you don't realize what you had at that point in time when you were serving mm-hmm. until you go into something else with another organization that provides the same, if not more for you. And then when you leave it, you're like, oh, what what did I just do? And, you know, it's it's not it's not, you know, it's not tears of happiness that you left. You know what I mean? It was. Yeah. Well, probably the unknown and the people that you're, you know, you're going to miss and, you know, and you come back. Like I've met several people that, um, work for the NWTF and I, there's not, there's not a person I've met that I've disliked, you know, there's never, I've never had somebody with a bad attitude, you know, you know, we in hunting, you talk about honey holes, right? Like, yeah. well, you don't share your honey holes. Well, the thing is, is with turkey people, they'll share it with you. Yeah. You know? Now, they're not going to give you the GPS coordinates to it, <laughs> right? But I'll take you out there with me and show you, you know, where I like to hunt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe this is my setup and this is my decoy setup and these are the calls that I use or whatever else. You know, you don't get that. I mean, deer hunting... No one would take you out to their spot. Nope. No way. None whatsoever. But in turkey hunting, you got people that open up their homes to you. You know, and they're like, hey, come to my house. Yeah. Like, this is where I see turkeys. The first person that ever let me hunt their property, Dwayne Brady, like, he was like, hey, this is a good spot. This is a good spot. I see turkeys here, turkeys there. And I'm like, is this really what it's about? Like, this is amazing, you know? And I've only found that with with you know avid turkey hunters, you know, like I said, I and I don't blame deer hunters and <laughs> you know duck hunters and stuff like that for not giving up their spots, you know. What I mean, but you know, with turkey hunting, it it's it's such a a drive and such a um, it's just a love for it, you know, and. You know, it's the hardest thing to do if you ask me as a turkey hunt. How do you get some? You, you're trying to reverse engineer what that that Tom Gobbler is used to. 100%. You know, he, he calls, they come. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But now you're calling for him to come. And, you know, to get him riled up enough to come to you, you know, or just get him to sound off and then be able to believe where he's going to go. Right. I mean, I, I've roosted birds and gone out there the next next morning thinking, oh, he's gonna fly down, he's gonna land in this field, <clears throat> I'll let him mingle for 15, 20 minutes, and then I'll call him right over here. And he flies down somewhere. I have no idea where he went. Him and his ladies went somewhere completely different, you know, and it, it, that's what's so much fun, you know. Yeah. Like deer hunting is all about just Happen to be at a right location, at a right time, you know, you can look at deer trails and go, okay, they definitely come through this area. So the chances of them coming through here in the next three days is very high. Well, you look at a turkey, you put a tracker on them, you'd never know where they went. You know, what <laughs> I mean, they go where they want, when they want, you know, and and then you got to get them close at that. You know, a turkey, you can't shoot it 100 yards, you know, 200 yards. I, you can have all the TSS ammo. <laughs> you know, I mean, you still got to get them close enough, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's difficult. You know, how many times have you set up, you know, a decoy set and you looked at it and you're like, oh, that right there is magical. Yeah. So watch a, a Tom come in and go, I don't know who set this up, but I'm out of here. Right. <laughs> and he's gone. And you're like, man, I, I provided you three lovely ladies. I yeah. so got to just come over here and say hello. And he's like, Nope, not doing it, you know, because it's just like in the beginning, people are like, set up a Jake decoy in one hand. They'll come in all day long. Okay, that's what I do. Does that happen? They come in? No. And I'm like, what is going on? What am I doing wrong? You know, and, and, you know, I, I always go back to the YouTube videos and I watch them and, you know, it's like they set up and they just, they describe why they set up this way. And here comes old Tom Gobbler, you know. The whole video is 15 minutes, and you know they've got their time, and you know. But what we don't realize is that could have been days of work, right? And the biggest thing is, is all it was was luck,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know. But you have enough guys out there, like the Primos guys. You have four or five guys out there hunting, and and camera crews. Somebody's probably going to get a turkey, right? But if you took a camera crew with me. It was just me and myself. Like, I mean, it might be two weeks before we get a turkey. You Spotting know? mosquitoes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> taking naps on the ground. Just you know, I mean, it, it, it's such turkey hunting is, is. I mean, it it blows my mind on how much fun and enjoyment, heartache there is behind mm-hmm. it. But the, to to go back to the camaraderie is is you know you go back to a camp and you sit down with. You know, fellow hunters, and you're like, man, I didn't see a turkey a day or I had one goblin and he wouldn't come no closer than a hundred yards. And you know, they talk about it, and then you share a meal together, and you know, you talk about what you're going to do the next day, or you know, hey, I got these decoys, try these decoys, or you know, this is the pack that I wear, try this. Uh, you know, there's there's so much to it that that turkey hunters you know, we, we share with one another and it, it's, it's one huge family. And like I said, the, the people that, you know, that I've dealt with inside the NWTF, it's been amazing. Like I, I called the NWTF uh, before 2020 because I'm a part of a chapter. Um, I'm a treasurer at uh, the North Central chapter in Tennessee. And I was like, Hey, I need magazines to give out to kids. And they're like, okay, we'll send you them. And like I get three boxes of you know uh magazines, the Jake magazine, and stuff like that, and I was like i don't I don't know of another another organization that would have done that
0: you mm-hmm. know that's phenomenal, and the-, the uh you know it's because of our members. And the people that go to the banquets and participate in your chapters that were, were able to deliver on so many different levels of that mission. So uh, what you're saying is completely true and it's not a put on. Um, and it's it's exciting from the, the staff standpoint to be able to see that go uh, into into work, go to work on the local level and then see it go out the countryside. Uh, Pop, something I've noticed uh during these interviews and people I talk with um you know guys guys like you and I that have served uh professional athletes as well as like there's when you operate a certain level like and you and you leave that, so you leave the military, you leave or retire from a professional sports team like this this drive there's this void, and the common thing I hear you know, is not just hunting in totality, but specifically turkey hunting. Turkey hunting is that itch, the, the scratching of that itch. And I think that's great. And it's great testimony because, like you said, the deer guys, and I love ripping on my deer guys because um, I'm a terrible deer hunter and I prefer, <laughs> I prefer turkey hunting for a multitude of reasons other than just deer hunting is boring. But, but I was out there this morning watching turkeys <laughs> could care less about whatever deer so anyway um it's just it's so it's high ops tempo you'll understand that it is in your face it is adrenaline and like you said uh, initially you know blood boiling just watching watching youtube videos my blood was boiling in a good way reading your article that people will get to, you know, read that part of it. Um, When I hear people retell their stories, when you retell your story, when my eight-year-old talks about the birds he killed this spring and he, I hear him telling someone else, I relive that over. And it's always the same excitement. Like it doesn't go away. I've told stories about some of the deer on the behind me and it's a nice story. Nothing compared to what them damn birds do. To me, <laughs> right. physically, meta, uh, all of it, mentally, yeah. physically, it's just, I come unglued. And I, I suspect you do as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you bring up your eight year old. And part of one of the things with the NWTF is we try to introduce new people to hunting. Right. And like I said, I have six sons. And I, out of the six, four I've introduced into hunting. Right. Uh, um, the other two, I don't know if they just don't have an interest to it or whatever, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, my youngest, they're twin boys and there's nothing like taking them out and putting them in a blind to turkey hunt. And whether we see a turkey or not, you know, but calling and then if they hear something, they go, Oh, man, what was that? What was that? You know? And we've had hens walk in. So far, we haven't gotten a, a tom for them. But like, just even having a hen walk in, and they're just so excited, and you know, you hear their breathing change,
0: right? <laughs> and they're just yes. so super
1: excited. They're like, hold on, we got to identify it. You know what I mean? And it's a time. is a time? Oh, it's a hen. I was like, watch her, you know. And they do, and they get so excited, and you know, with turkey hunting, most time, you know you don't sit in a blind, you know, you're out there chasing them, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make a move on them. And, it, and that goes back to, to my combat time. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't sit somewhere waiting for somebody to come down the road. Right. We went out and, and we searched for them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's another thing to Turkey hunting that I, that kind of brings back, my, my time in service, you know, is, is I can correlate the two, you know, between each other, you know, shoot, move, communicate. Right. That's a big thing in the military. (laughs) Same thing in Turkey. Golly days. Is that true,
0: man? That's brilliant.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause I, I've sat in a blind, you know, for a day or two and I'm like, all right, you know, they're telling me this is where they're going to be. Or, you know, I've seen them on a trail cam here. And they never show, but I can hear them. Hmm. So what do you got to do? You got to move, you know. And then you got to set up, and you got to be stealthy. And I mean, there's so much to it that you know, a lot of people don't understand. Especially, you know, deer hunting to me, it's also boring. You know, I I like to deer hunt. Um, and and honestly, I deer hunt for does. I don't look for big bucks. No, nope, I'm you know? with you. <laughs> I mean they might be nice on a wall, but I, I mean, I have three bucks on my wall that I've picked up at, at thrift shops. You know what I mean? You know, it cost me 50 bucks a piece for each one, or I could have harvested a big buck and spent six, seven thousand dollars on one on my wall. Right. But, but you know, I, I deer hunt for the meat. Right. Yeah. And I turkey hunt for the meat, the sport, the camaraderie, all of that. Like, there's, to me, there's just so much more that you get out of turkey hunting. And and I'd like to also say, you know, we talked about local chapters. I wish more people would get involved in their local chapters, you know, because it's, it's not just about that banquet that you go to, you know, it's great. Like the banquet we hold in Clarksville, Tennessee, it brings in tens of thousands of dollars. And we're so grateful and so thankful. But I would love to have more people involved in our local chapter so that we can do bigger projects, you know, go out there and, you know, find more land or uh, make more land available to hunters, you know, and, and we do so many things, you know, we do a fishing rodeo, you know, if, if we had more people inside of our, our local chapters that could volunteer to, you know, bring hunting to, to our kids, you know, because, as you know, you probably know that the the amount of turkey hunters or hunters in, that we have has started to decline, mm-hmm. you know, and the only way that we get more is by inviting others to enjoy in what we do, and if you have more people in local chapters to where you can hold events, then you can show these people, hey, you know, let's throw on a a a turkey shooter let's let's do a, a juvenile deer hunt or whatever it is you can introduce more people and and the parents of those kids they don't have to be hunters like if we had a juvenile deer hunt if your parent doesn't hunt that's fine let's introduce them as well mm-hmm. you know let's introduce the whole family let's let's introduce everybody into what we do because you know i know the NWTF's done this big um what would it be? Uh, kind of, you know, like the logo itself has changed, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we we want to talk more about our conservation efforts than than just the hunting portion. And I think a lot of people miss that too. You know, as a hunter, you know, I'm a I'm a conservationist first, right? Like, I want the land to be way better than it was when I when I entered into it. I go into, you know, uh, a forest and, you know, if there's wrappers on the ground, I'll pick those wrappers up and put them in my pocket, mm-hmm. right? And and it's it's because I want what we have to be beautiful and sustaining and to always be there, right? The turkey hunting portion of it is very, very important, but if it takes me a millisecond to pick up a couple wrappers, <laughs> you know...
0: Better than a, you found it.
1: Yeah, you know, and and... You know, if if we can open up more land to individuals just to walk in them, you know, you don't have to hunt in them. You want to walk in them, you know, you want a boat, you know, in a lake or whatever else. You know, the NWTF helps provide those things. And a lot of people don't know that.
0: That's true. Uh, I want to go back to what you said about getting involved with your local chapter, the banquets and all that, but specifically the chapter itself. And I had a thought that rang when you were talking about that and I wanted to come back to it was that, you know, my wife, again, and, and, in my, um, my journey for, you know, uh, self-identification and understanding what's going on and stuff we've been talking about as far as PTSD goes, she would say, before we understood what was at hand, she'd say, you know, it's it's strange to me that you can go and (laughs) MC an event as a regional director and be in front of hundreds of people in a room and, and work that room. And, uh, you know, just have all these relationships, but then we can go into a, a store with 50 people in it and you're all recoiled and, and just ready to to run. And, you know, what's what's funny about that is if you took those same 300 people and changed the setting, I'd probably be all recoiled. And but it's the fact that I know those I know why those people are there for the most part. And I understand the quality of the individuals that are in that room and what their motivations are. So for me, I'm put at ease. So the overarching point here is, you know, the stuff Pup and I have been talking about, if, 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 you know, the hunting, the hunting thing is a great conduit to get you into these communities, but, you know. Here's a great way to to find community. And we always talk about in, in, in this big, giant world we live in that's made infinitely smaller by, you know, the tele the, the cell phones and social media and all this garbage, um, which has its place. Right. Uh, but. We don't know our own neighbors next door. I'm looking out the window. I barely know my my neighbor, but. The beautiful thing about these these banquets and these chapters is that you do you do get to know your neighbors. They may not be directly next door, but they're in your community. They're within probably 20 miles or less of you. What a fantastic way to to create community, to have this sense of neighborliness and, and kind of going back in time. And and like you said, they they, pro- they provide that.
1: Right. And that's the community. That's huge to me. All right. You know, Clarksville is a, you know, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, home of the Hunter First is, is there, and Clarksville is a huge city now. And even though I no longer reside in that community, I still I still stay with that chapter. That chapter is an hour and forty five minutes from my house. I got one fifteen minutes from me right now here in Camden, Tennessee. But I've chosen to stay with the one in Clarksville because I want to to grow our community. And we've done it at, at our local level, you know. We we try to get together with local leaders, um, prominent individuals, you know, to to provide more for our communities. But we want every individual to be a part of it, right? We don't want to segregate one person from another. We want to shake hands and and invite everybody to our our banquet our meetings and show them what we're doing so that they can step up and assist in the community there's nothing like putting a new park into a community especially a bustling community where you know they're building you know tall buildings quicker than they're building anything else right Mm. what happens if we paused them building these tall buildings and put a, a a park in a neighborhood to now the kids in the community, go to that park and they play and they socialize. Versus now, you know, like you said, social media is everything. I mean, my kids even say, "Oh, I'm talking to my friend." You know, they're on their gaming system.
2: Right. Oh, where's your
1: friend at? Oh, they're in England or they're here. You know, they're they're in Virginia, North Carolina, all these places. I'm like, you've never met this person. But I remember growing up, I walked two blocks to the the park and I would hang out with kids that I I had never met Mm. play on slides and swings and stuff like that. And, and that's kind of what we try to do at our local community is bring it back to that small community, you know, to do those small things where we can bring a bunch of people together and, and start to shake hands and, and have fellowship and, you know, enjoy a meal together and, and all these things. And it, it's what's going to help us in the long run, right? All these big buildings, I mean, they're great for the population, right? You need a place to stay. But if we can't get along with one another or, you know, we seclude ourselves and that's part of it, you know, you talk about like I can go into an NWTF banquet and like you said, you can work the room. I'm okay at working the room. My buddy Leroy, he can really work a room, but (laughs) we – I I feel safe and comfortable, but like you said, if I was in a different setting, I would be very recluse. I'd stay Mm -hmm. back, you know, because I I don't have that same trust and all this stuff. But anytime I go to a banquet, like you said, there's like-minded people, right? We don't have to believe in everything, you know, the same, but we have one common denominator and, you know, generally that's the NWTF. And so I, like you said, I know I can talk to them about something. If nothing else, I can talk to them about turkey hunting. Yeah. You know, then if you got a guy or a guy that's in the military or had served in the military, now you got turkey hunting and veterans, you know, service. And then you know, you'd also brought up like firemen and police and stuff like that. You brought up teachers, and I'm glad you did because they're important. I, I think anybody of service, your your waitress, your waiter, your cook, all those people. Are so vital to what we do each and every day, you know, and they need to be recognized along with everybody else, you know, like we separate ourselves, you know, all the time. Doesn't matter what you separate yourself. I'm a turkey hunter, I'm sure. not a hunter, you know what I mean? But, but like all those individuals make up a community. And the only way that we can have that community is by bringing one another together, you know. There's no more sidewalks. There's no more porches, you know. So how do we do that? Well, you have to do it right now by h- holding events. And the NWTF is great at holding events. They're great at getting people together. And I just, I really hope that, you know, some more people join their local chapters, you know. Go to, go to the meetings, you know. I mean, we, we have a dinner at ours, you know. We, we have dinner. We talk about upcoming events, things that we want to do. But the thing is, is, like, we haven't been able to do all the things we'd like to. And it's because we don't have enough, you know, chapter members. I mean, you can go through our list and say, oh, all these people are a part of that chapter. You know, when you sell your um, all your tickets at the banquet, everybody gets right. a membership. So you become a member and then you're associated with that chapter. But if you sat down and, and started you know, participating in that chapter. I mean, think about what we could do.
0: Huge difference. Yeah. Huge Huge difference.
1: difference. I mean, everywhere it's because I was at a banquet just the other day and they were talking about how the NWTF is the only organization that's steadily grown as far as all other, I guess, wildlife organizations out there. And that's just a testament to what the NWTF does each and every day, you know, and, you know, trying to bring people together and you know, I mean, have you been have you've been to the convention in Nashville?
0: Oh yes. Yes, sir.
1: Think about how big that is. I mean, that is ginormous. I mean it it can get a little crazy when you're inside the the showroom and everybody's blowing calls from every <laughs> end, right, right? Like but I mean that's you a house of several thousand people and I can walk around that place. Generally calm, cool, and collected.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Again, if we were in a different scenario, yep. like I went to a, a Raiders and Bears game, you know, and let me tell you, being in the stadium, it, you know, I'm like, oh man, you know, anxiety takes over. Can't and...
0: leave fast enough.
1: <laughs> right. But I mean, I could go to, you know, Opry Mills and to the NWTF convention, and I'm like, this, is, this is, these are my people, you know, that, I really really enjoy this and you know you meet so many people and 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 the thing is i don't think people understand how approachable you know the not just like the staff is with the nwtf you know um i mean even like becky i've i've met becky and and shaking her hand and you know she's very busy you know, <laughs> yes, she, like is. she can take the time, <laughs> yeah. shake a hand, have a small conversation. And then she, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but she moves on to the next person and, and shares that same involvement, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that personality behind it. And it, it seems to me that everybody in the NW, NWTF is like that, like yourself, you know, I mean, you left and you've come back and you have this podcast and you, you're bringing on all these people. From different walks of life and it's interesting to to see how big the nwtf really is and how they honestly just care and just are loving people it's just it's awesome
0: it is it's totally awesome and you mentioned convention and we are going to be in nashville in february that's going to be a real thing um so you know i hope to see you there for sure are well, you go- are you going oh yeah no oh, good, yeah. good. We'll make yeah, I- we'll make plans then because uh, well we'll talk after this but we'll we'll make plans that's good to know. Um, it, the other thing I want to go back to as well with the with the events is you know we're such a, a divided we're such a divided country you know it it's just been so hyperbolic for the last. And it feels like a long damn time. But, you know, recently, last five, six years, it's really like been kicked into overdrive. Someone hit that Nas button and just <laughs> it's just blown up. Uh, and everything's viewed through these crazy political lenses. The beautiful thing about our organization, uh, nonprofit status forces us not to do that one. Right. So we can't. There's an obligation not to. Uh, the other part where you just don't. And even at the banquets where, you know, you you can't tell people what they can and can't talk about. It just doesn't come up. Because we focus on, like you said, our common denominator, the common thing, the common thread that that holds us together is the organization, is the act of turkey hunting, is conservation. And we focus on that. Man, I've been beating that drum for so long. And I love that you brought it up because uh, I got plenty of friends that politically we don't align whatsoever. But that doesn't make us hate each other. We're still brothers. Right. We still love each other and we love killing turkeys together and that's what right. we, that's what we hang our hats on. And, and that's what we, we talk about and in bigger conversations and we just don't constantly talk about Turkey, honey. Uh, although I could, um, yeah. th- you can go to an event and feel, it's really weird to say this, this time and place in our, in our history because everything's viewed through that lens, even going to frigging Starbucks, if the wrong people see you walking into Starbucks just because you like a vanilla Frappuccino, Oh, you must be a communist. Right. I, I didn't know the coffee I drank said something about me, but it does. That it, I'm, I'm making light of something, but it, the point is like pop said, you know, you can come and you are welcome, you know? And that's, that's a rarity right now.
1: And you're welcome with open arms. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're, nationality, your gender, your political affiliation, none what of you do for a job, none of that matters, you know throw on a pair of blue jeans throw on some khakis I mean, wear camo, don't wear camo, <laughs> we don't care you know I mean? we just, you know we want to welcome everybody we want everybody to sh- we want to show everybody what our love is and why we have this love and a lot of when people get involved with it, it it's hard not to, you know, share that love with somebody else and you know, shake hands and and hug and and when you have that common denominator, like you said, I, it doesn't matter to me, you know, anything else, you know, again, like I I don't care what you're political belief is it's, it, I, you know, I want to know what what was the biggest spurs you've ever had on a turkey. You know? <laughs> yeah. that's what I know, Cause you know, you know, all those things is what, what interests me. And, you know, and, and again, we can, we can talk turkey hunting all day, you know, but it, it generally leads into other conversations. How's your family? How's your wife? How's your kids? You know, how are things going in your neck of the woods? You know, um, you know what? What do you think about the McRib being back? You know all these <laughs> all these crazy things. You know what I mean? That That's perfect. We can talk about, and you forget about you know the world and and how volatile it kind of is right now. Mm. It doesn't have to be the way that it is. You You're know, exactly but, right. You know the the great thing is is you know people like you and I we we can make it about something completely different. We don't we don't have to bother ourselves with. The, the things that we can't control, you know, but we can share what we love and what we enjoy and, you know, bring people into the family, you know, and and show people what the NWTF is all about. And, you know, I invite everybody every year to the convention. I, I invite them to banquets, you know, because there's so much fun and you meet so many great people that, you know, you probably wouldn't have you wouldn't have met in your life if you hadn't gone to nope. certain events. You know, like I went to uh, a, a hunt in South Carolina and met Teresa, who works for the NWTF. Yeah, I mean, I we're friends on Facebook. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I follow along what's what's kind of going on in her life, and you know, I talk to her about twice a year. You know, one to see if the hunt's coming up again or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just you know, she's an easy person to talk to, you know, and that's what I've found with, with everybody. in the NWTF is, and we don't have our own uh, agenda behind what we're doing, right? It's always, it's always for the greater good of the organization, right? It's never about me. Like, right. I, I mean, I can't bring in tens of thousands of dollars to my banquet. I can't. But if I bring all these people and invite them into our banquet, have them join our community, well, hopefully then we can bring in tens of thousands of dollars. If not, at least I get to share a meal with people and explain to them why I'm so passionate about the NWTF. Like, when I learned about the NWTF, I I think I became a member like three months after discovering turkey hunting, right? And I was like... Well, how do I join an organization, you know, this NWTF? And I was like, what's NWTF, you know? And then I, I joined online or whatever, and then I see there's a local chapter when I moved back to Tennessee, and I'm like, you know, I get a hold of the guy, Jeremy Odom, who's the president, I'm like, hey, how do I, can I come to your meeting? Yeah, come to the meeting. You know, when they first see me, like you said, you know, tattooed, bearded, you know, big guy, and he'll even tell you, he was like, oh, no, who is this guy, right? <laughs> He had like a a view of me, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but then like once he saw how passionate I was about you know the NWTF and what we were trying to do. I mean, like I said, now I'm I'm the treasurer of our local chapter, you know, and I just love being a part of it. Now, you know, some days it gets it gets you know pretty crazy, especially banquet time. You know, like oh yes, had like twenty four hours of you know, prep for the banquet, you know, the day of not to mention the three months prior to that, yeah. you know, like that, that's stressful. But you know, when, when the, the, la- the last, you know, live auction thing is done and <laughs> you clear everybody out, you're like, wow. we did and it. And then you just enjoy everything. you're like, that was so wonderful, mm-hmm. you know? And now hopefully that money that we raised can go to, to something else. And, all the projects that the NWTF does and people don't even realize how many like millions of dollars NWTF has spent on locations trying to bring back habitat not just habitat for turkeys habitat for every wild creature out there you know again places where people can walk talk you know i mean you look at new york city and and <clears throat> you know uh the the park like if you take an aerial view and then you see this giant park, mm-hmm. think about that. And that's really what the NWTF is trying to do: is put these giant, you know, facilities open up to the public everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody can enjoy the beauty of the outdoors. You know, conservation is huge, huge with the NWTF. And like I with the rebranding type deal stuff. You know. <clears throat> It, the converse, the conservation has been the biggest part to me, you know, um, logos and all that, that, that's fine and dandy, but I think when you, when you get down to it and, you know, conservation, I believe being the number one thing we're trying to do, I'm, I don't know of another organization that's doing it, you know, I really don't. And, you know, and, it, but it takes a community to do it. Yeah. It all goes back to that community. It, and it, and
0: you just said it, you know, it, it takes everybody. It's not about the individual. And that is, that's the military, man. So like, there's, right. you're, you get it. I get it. It's not the individual. It doesn't matter, you know, what's on your shoulder, what's on your sleeve. It's, it's, it is this greater good in the most uh, purest sense and everybody being a good teammate and picking each other up. The article is entitled "Save the House, uh Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt, Save My Life. Putt Westfall, I appreciate you coming on, brother. Um, I appreciate your testimony. I appreciate all you're doing for us locally, what you did in your service. Happy Veterans Day.
1: Thank you as well.
0: Make sure, folks, if if uh you haven't gotten the the electronic version get your hand on the current edition november december turkey call magazine and uh one more time Pop westfall thanks so much for your time and, and coming on the show i appreciate you, brother be well
1: i appreciate it and uh really appreciate you having me on here and i can't wait to the convention where we can meet face to face
0: hell yeah you got it we'll see you there sure. all right One more time, thanks so much to to Westfall for carving some time out and and coming on the program. Uh, I hope everybody gets a chance to uh, to either download an electronic copy of Turkey Called in November December uh, edition, or you're uh, you're a member and you're getting that anyway. Part of your membership benefits is your bi monthly uh, subscription to our our beautiful uh beautifully redesigned turkey call magazine uh, again the uh the article is called uh, save the habitat save the hunt save my life by pop westfall um it's fantastic read uh, so we'll give it a look uh some, some really <clears throat> deep and important stuff talked there and i think the over the overall takeaway uh is if you need help get help and uh you know, there's plenty of resources out there. Uh, the uh, Veterans Crisis Hotline. If you're uh if you're struggling, man, call them one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. 273 8255 one 273 8255 Press one. You can text at 838 838- two five five eight three eight two five five if you go on to uh, veteranscrisisline.net there's the ability to connect online and just chat um if you're hard of hearing they have options for that too so uh they're there every day 24 7 um there's no charge it's confidential but um you know don't don't shoulder all this yourself um Take it from a guy who did for years. Uh, take it from Pop. Uh, you know, there's no, there is no shame. There's no weakness, uh, and then like he even said, it's, it takes a stronger individual to, uh, to look those things in the in the eye, as it were, and, and face them down, and then start, start a healing process. Um, trust me, you'll be better for it. And and I haven't met one individual. That uh, has been diagnosed PTSD, uh, whether that was from violence, at, violence of actions in in war. Uh, someone like myself is just. Um, just an aggregate a, a buildup over time of certain certain things in life, but um, it's very real. And uh, there's, uh, again, no need to uh, to take that all on yourself. So, um, hell, if you got to. uh Hit us up socially. Say you heard the the podcast. Say you read Pops article, and you know you need some help. Anybody at our organization will gladly help. Uh, guys, we'll make sure that the uh, <clears throat> veterans crisis hotline are available. The text number, all of that, uh, that will be on all the posts, and uh, we'll put it in the uh, show notes, the description of this episode. Uh, it is Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for all those that came before me, served with me. And after I left, continue to pick the banner up and run with it. Um, 1% of the population steps up. Uh, that's, that's pretty special. So um, a big salute to all of you. I hope you enjoy your day. I hope uh, you're able to get out somewhere and enjoy, enjoy the, the outdoors. Enjoy the freedom that, that you fought so well for. Um, because it is special, so hopefully, you're able to fill a tag somewhere wherever you're at listening, uh, in, in the uh, United States. So that's it for the show, guys. Uh, appreciate you coming along. Shake a hand of a veteran, thank them for their service today, thank them every day, but uh, especially today. And uh, hey, we love our vets, we love our current service members. Thanks for everything. Until next time, guys, be safe. We'll see you soon. Bye bye.